Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe or why you believe it. I really believe that we're at a time right now where what was old is becoming very incredible. It's becoming incredible in the sense that it really is something hard to believe in, hard to hold on to. And people are starting to see that more and more. And what we want to do, or part of what we want to do here is welcome you to the frontier, say that there are other people like you on this frontier. If you've been listening for a while to encourage you as best as we can to continue exploring that frontier of what it means to believe what you believe in, um, yeah, explore it even more. My name is Nathan Whitaker. Hi, my name is Ryan Harris. And Ryan has to sit through as I try to figure out how to introduce the episode every single time. Um, But we're here together today to kind of continue from last week, but not really, just in terms of its uh, foundation, if you will. And we're going to talk about climate change, environmentalism. Uh, We're probably not going to hit every aspect of it, but we're going to try to ask the question or at least wonder a bit. What would it look like to be in a church, an American church or a congregation that really does focus on taking care of the environment? And I thought a really good, uh, neat way, maybe not good, but (laughs) a neat way to start would be to talk about something that we both grew up with, and it kind of comes up every time Ryan and I talk about this, which is Captain Planet. Ryan and I, I think we've had a little bit of different experience with Captain Planet. Ryan, uh, what do you know about Captain Planet? I know almost nothing about Captain Planet because you see, I was not allowed to watch that on television. Um, I mean, there were quite a few things on TV I wasn't allowed to watch, many of which um, were pretty silly. And now my parents claim to not remember making that rule, but I (laughs) promise you it was one. Um, But yeah, no, Captain Planet was not okay. And uh, some things that were, were were related were also not like uh, Fern Gully was another one from my day that was not okay. Um, although I remember thinking it was pretty rad, but because uh, I think I watched some of it or I watched it and then told them and they weren't happy. Or, no, I think we watched it at school and they got really mad about that oh, or something. Okay. But uh, yeah, no. So I know very little about Captain Planet. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm in the same place in terms of my parents saying we couldn't watch it. Um, but I was a bit older than Ryan in my childhood. He still is. I, say. I still am. <laughs> but I'm a little bit older. So, um, you know, it's kind of on the tail end of I was I was able to watch things even when my parents didn't know it. And so I would watch some of those episodes. And, you know, I never got the reason why from my parents that they didn't want me to watch it. Did they ever tell you why? Uh, see, it's hard to, I'm trying to remember if they did or if I am extrapolating based on things I know and about yeah. other, you know what I mean? Like right. looking back in retrospect, I think that it was something along the lines of, I think they were, well, they say they were worried about it being new age you know that was the term in those days right um so like i don't remember them ever saying it's 
tree hugger stuff and that's evil. Although they were not fans of quote tree hugger stuff. Um, <laughs> but I think it was their ostensible reason anyway. And I'm not saying they were lying. I, I'm just saying this was maybe some convincing themselves too, but was yeah. that it was going to be, you know, I don't know if they thought we were going to be like having to, you know, pray, do some hail Gaia's at school or, or I don't know what they were worried about exactly, but it was somehow fit into that same new age, um, thing of yoga and all that other stuff that mother now Earth. Is, right right and i had a few teachers in like third grade and fourth grade who were very environmentalist and um my parents weren't big fans of that i said <laughs> something I, I brought home this it was like you know they make you write journals or they or yeah, yeah and i i brought something home that said something about we need to stop trashing the planet and my dad got really really upset about that even though i would say that third grade me was correct we should have not been doing <laughs> yeah. that you know but anyway so i think it was something like that something to do with new age whatever that actually ends up meaning it's kind okay. of a catch-all for bad yeah i i never got a reason and when i did watch it it's very campy it's it's definitely within the 80s like genre of um kitsch and camp and so is it like because i've never seen it is it like voltron kind of camp like transfer yeah, transformers uh -huh, yeah. that kind of thing okay that kind of stuff uh, the rings that they have they combine into um captain planet and so you know most of the episodes are one of the one of the people of the team is missing or uh, yes. whatever Complex the big one was lines. yeah the big one was heart and so, Naturally. you know, you had to have heart in order to save the, the planet. Wait, what and... were the other ones? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter. I, it just, uh, you know, was one like uh, fertilizer? No. <laughs> <laughs> Recycling? Uh, carbon offset tax? I mean, what, what was the... Yeah, so earth, fire, wind, water, and heart. Oh, okay. They went that way. Yeah. And so at the age that I was when I was watching this, what year did it come out? I have it still open. So it came out in 1990. Mm -hmm. Hanna Barbera got in 93. So okay. I would have been 11. Yeah. And it, it ran. I mean, it's funny how it imprints on our memory so much because it only ran for three years it wasn't that long well and it imprinted on me and i never saw an episode of it but i think yeah. it was like i said there were so many things i was not allowed to to watch or play you know certain video mm -hmm. games or whatever and some of them i think about now is like okay that probably wasn't great for you know kids yeah, to uh -huh. watch like i don't i don't object to them not letting me watch beetlejuice when i was five for example <laughs> you know um i haven't seen it so i it, it's probably i'm not saying it's all you evil, haven't seen beetlejuice i haven't i wasn't allowed remember you gotta watch it but probably not for four-year-olds that's fair no definitely right? not for four -year -olds. so but now you know things like care bears also wasn't allowed to watch oh. smurfs because they had magic see Oh, did they? Yeah. So this is what it's I mean when I say the uh, the catch-all of new age. It really okay. did cover a lot of bases. Yeah, I don't really remember why, as I said. I just remember that experience like, oh, I don't think I want to watch this because it was a little past my age, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe because I wasn't in a camp like I am now or... 
because I like Transformers and like this is just like a Transformers ripoff or something like that. But I didn't get the big deal. Um, but nevertheless, it was a big thing. And I remember Captain Planet, especially with the conversation around recycling. And I, mm-hmm. that's probably what was going on in your third grade class. Yes. Yeah. We we're learning recycling. about that. Yeah. Yep. Which, you know, my parents, we did that. We had a recycling bin. And of course, where I was, you know, you just put it outside and they'd come by and get it with the trash. Um, so it's not like they didn't, my parents weren't like, we don't, we refuse to recycle, you know, those kind of terrible people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, we uh, didn't recycle. We weren't terrible people refusing to, we just didn't. Well, yeah, but I mean, I mean the people who all you have to do is literally put it outside yeah. with your trash and that won't, it won't do that. It's like, well, you should do that. <laughs> you yeah, should do that. Right. You know? Um, yeah. but, uh, anyway, so yeah, that was probably what was going on there. Yeah, it was interesting. And and I think in my life, the, the it still is kind of a touchstone of recognizing how people are starting to see that the way we treated. Now, when I went to college, I realized that that was much longer history. You know, you got Teddy Roosevelt setting up um, uh, national parks uh-huh. and you've got the whole conservation versus preservation movement in the 20s and 30s and Uh, So I know that there's more history to it than that. But I think that was the first time it hit my consciousness was around Captain Planet. And then in my brain, I just connect it to recycling. And so it's like, yeah, let's recycle. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, the other part of it was it's hard to I don't even know if I could separate these as that. Um, The other thing going on in that time was not a theological thing, at least supposedly it wasn't but in those same in the early 90s late well in the late 80s although i was only barely around then but late 80s early 90s especially was when the big thing was global warming and people in my uh life um were very much in the crowd that were very you know thought global warming was fake it was a hoax it was you know all that kind of stuff and so i think part of the reason that some of that stuff got lumped into the quote new age banner was because they were listening to and consuming all this other media that told them it was a hoax and it was a scam and it was, you know, some plot by, by the way, I've never been clear on who the plot, if if it is a scam. In fact, I asked somebody one time, I said, okay, let's pretend you're right. It's all fake. Who's benefiting from this? Like (laughs) you recycle and there's less trash around. What's the evil plan there? I don't understand. Yeah. But it surprised you to hear I did not get a coherent answer. No. Anyway, um, I think my dad would say that it was always a, some plot to raise taxes or something. Um, you know. <sighs> anyway, okay. um, I was I brought that up though to say that I think the all the political stuff um, that was when it's at least I don't know if that was when it started, but it was very much a big political issue then. And uh, I think that bled into the, all of this also, you know, the suspicion of it, the um, um, that kind of thing. Well, it was uh, Al Gore's movie. Yeah, that was, that was a big 90s, part of it. Right. So The Inconvenient yeah. Truth, mm-hmm. which, you know, in my memory, people really dismiss that movie out of hand. I don't remember. I don't remember a single conservative that I knew actually going to watch the movie. It was like an ideological difference. I'm not going to watch the movie yeah. because I don't agree with it. Are you kidding? Instead I of, mean, uh, El Diablo, I mean, Rush Limbaugh would, would like, 
go on daily rants about it, you know? And, yeah. and not to mention, which there was a lot of ridicule of like, they had a march for climate awareness and it snowed kind of stuff, you know, yeah, right. all that nonsense. But, well, um, that was a big thing about the global warming before right. they really, um, really, uh, what's it? I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm starting to have this recollection. I was listening to, I believe it was slow burn. Was it slow burn? Anyway, it was something like global warming was the phrase that conservatives put on it to make fun of it or something. Well, so I'm not positive on this. I think there was a time earlier where they did talk about things like global cooling. And then I think it did switch to global warming. And they would always talk about that, like, see, it's all a scam. And I think what it was is that the scientific consensus was developing into what we're talking about here is climate change in general, which includes cooling and warming, but all right. of which do very bad catastrophic consequences. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Um, I think, but I think, and I'm not a climate scientist, so you'd have to ask somebody who is, but I'm not any kind of scientist, but I think <laughs> the reason that it switched really to climate change was partly in answer to the nonsense about, you know, it's snowed outside. It's not global warming. Um, yeah. Plus also, I think, I imagine the science has just come a long way since the early nineties. Well, and it took, I mean, for my recollection, if anyone's listening to this, that's younger, that took a, quite a few years. Yeah. I think it took my entire childhood and college to get to climate change so we're talking about the mid 2000s or so yeah I, I mean i can't put a date on it but i feel like that's around when it started uh, changing now we could be wrong but that roundabout there i think yeah as i remember that's when it did start at least within start. our circles i mean it yeah. could have been different outside but i don't remember becoming aware of climate change and I was in the midst of, you know, I was one of those guys that was an asshole and made fun of climate. Well, so was I. Global I didn't warming think it was real. And yeah. Then when climate change came out, I was like, oh, well, it's, so now you're just saying the climate's going to change. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, or a big one for me was, well, yeah, it could be changing, but it's it's not because we're doing it. It's natural. Yeah, like, of course, right. the, you know, because even today, one of the dumb, I mean, sorry, one of the big things you hear is um, like, well, sure, it might be changing, but it's how how much did it change before they started keeping yeah. track of it? It's just yes. normal, you know, all that kind of stuff. Huge which thing. Really yep. just shows that you don't have a shit clue what you're talking about. And by the way, again, not a climate scientist, but I know <laughs> that like it's one of those. It's like, yeah, but that's not how any of this works kind of moments. Right. Know? Well, I think it's good to have that perspective as we in this podcast and really in life in general, as we think through climate change. Um, the arguments against the theory or the reality, I don't know what the scientific language is around that. Um, it is, it hasn't changed much. No. It's basically man can't do it because man's not powerful enough to do something like that is basically what I've heard in my past. I've heard that one. Yeah. Um, or it's just scientists are, are, and we talked about this last episode, scientists are wrong or misguided mm -hmm. or um, trying to deceive or whatever. And that's where your whole like, who's benefiting from this right. thing comes from. Even if that's all true. Yeah. To what end? Um, yeah. But um, yes, I think so. And then 
stop me if I'm getting ahead of you, but the other element too for me, and I'm curious to know if this was in, in your world or not, was I don't remember hearing any sermons about this, um, like where this was said specifically, sure. but the very much the um, the idea that, well, there's only like, obviously you don't want to dump chemicals in a lake you're going to swim in, right? But there's only so much of this we should worry about because the earth is going to burn anyway. Um, that kind of idea of like, since the earth is going to be destroyed, we're really worrying about nothing. Um, again, I don't remember ever hearing that from the pulpit or anything, but that idea is very much present in, um, I don't know that it's, it's certainly not unique to Pentecostal theology, but I think the conservative evangelical world, that was very much a thing. Uh, we well, it's it going to burn. Who cares? Yeah, we had it too. We didn't really think of it as burning necessarily, but the words, world's going to end. Um, and, you know, I when we talked about like end times and hastening the end times, um, this is the one place where my Lutheran experience, that bared out to be true, where they would say, well, if man is creating the end of the world, isn't that a good thing? Because then Jesus will come back. And of course, it's not a good thing, but it is like this theologically <laughs> like hastening of the end times or the return of Jesus is how we would say, because we right. don't have the end times theology like that. But uh, yeah, that was definitely part of it. Was it ever preached? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe an offhanded comment here or there, but you know, you pick these things up as people talk about them and so forth. Yeah, uh, definitely there. Yeah. So in fact, I remember this wasn't something I did, but I was still in that world. I mean, I was 18. I was in, well, I think I was in like a speech class in community college, you know, they make everybody take one. And this yep. one girl and you got to do, you got to do like a five minute speech on anything we wanted. I don't even remember what I did mine on, but um, I remember I didn't prepare much, you know, everybody's nervous. And I'm just like, Oh, I think I did it about like the electoral college or something. And I think I said <laughs> it was didn't prepare. That's I said, well, I did. I, I looked it up on the internet. And then I said, okay, I know I can talk about it. And that, that was basically my preparation, right? <laughs> and I did fine because I, I'm a talker and I know shock, right? Yeah. Anyway, this one other girl in the class, uh, she got up and did, uh, I think it was something like why the Bible is true. <laughs> and she oh, really? used scripture to prove that the Bible is true. That went over about as well as you would expect. Yeah. And then um, the same girl, when someone else did their speech on conservation or saving the planet or something she put up her hand and said well why would we do that the earth is ready is going to be destroyed anyway yeah and of course all the people in the class who did not were not you know they're like what are you talking about it's who, who what destroyed what do you mean you know and so then she told them and i'm just sitting there like oh my goodness but you know um because even in those days i said and i i guess i still sort of believe that then but even in those days i was like yeah but we don't know when so yeah, right. you might not want to just assume it's tomorrow, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And even in that theology, that's not a good time to go through. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. like uh, anyway, so, you know, we've been talking about it, but it's kind of a, I think a very much, it was a theological thing, but it was a political thing. And I think it was a cultural thing too. It was just all at yeah. that time when we were growing up. And it's still around today. It's, in fact, even in some ways, even more so. Stronger. Um, it just looks a little different now because you don't, 
I don't find many people who have no opinion on it. I mean, they probably exist, but I just mean like it seems to have really cemented or is that the word I want? Or, um, you know, solidified, you solidify. That's a better word of like where you're at on is not just is it real, but what should we do about it? Um, yeah. 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 It's been interesting watching that. I know lots of things have changed over our lifetime, but. That is a development of, as Ryan said, something very kind of out there in terms of its awareness to everyday people. And then it started to slowly become more and more aware to folks. Katrina was a big thing that helped Mm -hmm. people become aware of this because, um, I don't know, it wasn't the first time, clearly, but it was a very significant event where nature won. um, Right. And there was literally nothing we could do about it. And then we fucked up the response to it so badly. Right. Yeah. You know, but it was, it was a visceral reaction. Well, what was that? Was that, uh, that's 2000. Was it 2000? Five, 2003. Trina. 2005. Yeah. Five. Okay. Yeah. 2005. Yeah. In fact, I remember the, the Sunday before it hit, the pastor said something about, because we had no idea it was going to be like it was, but he, I think he, he prayed for them. And he said, aren't, aren't we glad we're not in New Orleans or Biloxi today? Okay, you know, and it was just kind of like an offhand thing because, again, it, it had not happened yet and nobody yeah. envisioned what ended up happening, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we saw the raw power of it. Um and it's such a different world I think because nowadays we hear about every fire that's happening on the west coast. We hear well, about every tropical storm that the comes. the entire west coast is on fire. I know. Yes. But still, we're we're hearing about that more. <laughs> yeah. Who cares about the west coast, you know, in terms of if you're in the Midwest, right. it doesn't I mean it does sort of. I, Except- I think it was this past year we saw the smoke clouds. Right. Come I was going to say, like, now it's harder to say that because yeah. like, there were days, not very many around me, but there were a few where you could actually. Yeah. And, you know, like, so my brother lives in Seattle and they had terror. Like, I mean, they were having to wear masks before the pandemic. Mm, yeah. And they couldn't go outside for any longer than they, you know what I mean? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing that, you know, in hindsight, because so for me, this was all happening in high school and college for me. Uh, Captain Planet was, of course, a little before that, but the the increase in the conversation, the increase in um, the knowledge that we had, that was all happening to me when I was in high school and college. And I got my degree in history, and one of the first things that I learned about um, in American history that wasn't talked about much in high school, at least that I remember was the dust bowl in California Mm -hmm. and um, you know, talk about a man-made disaster, right? That was because we, we tilled the soil so much that it was so loose and then stuff happened. I don't know all the details off the top of my head, but we didn't learn about it in Canada, in Canada school. Oh, you didn't. Okay. (laughs) Well, the dust bowl is, in hindsight, historically, they, it's a very clearly man-made disaster. Right. And um, it devastated people. Like, you know, I've got some famous photos of people living mm-hmm. in the Dust Bowl era. There's where, that one of that woman that's just kind yep. of staring off into the right. distance. She's holding and her child. Yeah. And, uh-huh. Yep. 
people died with, uh, you know, uh, respiratory stuff because of it. Of course, they died because of starvation and um, just all sorts of horrible stuff. And I think for me, forgive me if we're going too fast, but I think for me, that was like the first time where I started to wonder if there was something more to this. Like mm. it, it was, you know, I'm still very much like anti-global warming, if that is such a thing. But it was uh, the first time where I'm like, wait a second, uh, just simply by trying to farm and feed themselves, they created conditions that made it so that they had a natural disaster. And then, of course, Katrina happens mm-hmm. where they, of course, live in an area where that's risky just because of where you live. And then I hear about the history of Katrina. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a, a, a slow burn adjacent podcast called Floodlines that I listened to. That's where I heard it about mm-hmm. Bush and the conservatives. Um, and there, you know, there was a huge hurricane a uh, hundred years ago or so and just devastated everything that was there. And um, it's interesting, like, I'm curious because this isn't so much in our, our theology, but it's probably in yours, right? There's the act of God with natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Like this is a judgment from God type thing. Well, yeah, usually it's because of people like me. You know, God hates the gays, so he sent her to get him. Um, (laughs) It's what Jerry Falwell said. Yeah, um, and whatever. What's that other? Well, those people. Yeah, not Lou Dobson. Um, Pat Robertson, that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, Um, weird. Anyway. um, But I'm curious, uh, is part of the resistance to say this is man-made natural disaster that it's even going to happen climate change is because it instills upon them a judgment you know i think what i remember hearing more in my life from the people in my life was i mean i remember hearing the things about like um well you know new orleans well that's a pretty simple place so god right. you know of course yep. if that were the reasoning then one would wonder why uh, other places like say Las Vegas never got a, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. um, but uh, I remember hearing more of the, well, these kinds of things are because of the fallen, broken, sinful world. Like, um, okay, you know, th- this is the effect of that. And so in a sense, like we should expect things like that to happen sometimes. Okay. I don't get me wrong. There were, you know, you'd hear the stuff about it was punishment for, Oh, take your pick, you know, gays, communists, whatever. Um, but I, as I Blacks. think about it, yeah. Well, um, as I think about it now, though, I remember it being, I remember hearing more of the, you know, or like when that horrible tsunami happened, when, I don't remember what, it was like oh, yeah. Christmas and it killed 100,000 people or something. Right. Or, um, that was another example of that. But I remember hearing mostly that this is the, um, you know, what happens as a result of sin, not, not necessarily people's sin caused it exactly, but that the, the fall of the world of sinfulness is what creates things like this. Mm. Um, so what I remember the most. That's interesting. Cause I, I would say that's part of the, for the course for Lutherans, that's mm-hmm. how we would talk about it. Yeah. Um, the corruption of sin in the world, um, right. disoriented the way that it should work. Um, and, 
weather and patterns have changed in such a way because of sin in order to cause destruction. Which, which by the way, hurricanes are caused by different temperatures meeting. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that's because of sin, you know, like right. that's just chemical or chem not chemicals. It's just physics. Um, that's how these things work. Right. And, and, you know, anyway, but uh, yeah. 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 I don't know. That was just kind of a thought that occurred to me. Like why, uh, not not why in the theological or rather the philosophical ideological reason because i think we know why it stops like the congruence between um or let's say the escalation between a katrina to climate change why can't you just let that continuum go and, and there seems to be a stop there i wonder why theologically there's not that connection right because mm -hmm. If sin can be corrupted or can corrupt weather systems, then who's to say that sin can't bring about death? <laughs> well, Paul but says I, that, right? I think the idea is if that's what's causing it, we're not going to fix it with different cars or different, uh, true, you know, true. whatever. But um, I'm not saying okay. I agree with that. I'm just saying I think in that in that uh, line of thought, if you if you buy that, if you drink that Kool-Aid, then, um, you know, the idea is, well, until Jesus comes back, this is not, this is just how it's going to be okay. kind of thing, which, I get it. you know, that, that line of thought was one I used to have. And then I started thinking about like, cause it was a process for me too, of where I was very much, you know, I grew up very much thinking it was all nonsense or a scam or some kind of new age thing or whatever, you know, and, um, it started to change for me because of, like I said, I, I, I never, like I would, I would ask sometimes, well, okay, so maybe it is fake, but like, why there's, there's a lot of effort into making this be a thing if it's fake. And I, you know, I never did get a good answer of who that would like, who are the people behind pulling the strings there? Like, what do they get from it? <laughs> Especially now that we learn that it was actually the fossil fuel companies who knew about this years and years and years ahead of everybody and spent billions of dollars convincing people it wasn't true. Because yeah. um, of course they did. Right. Right. But, um, but it was stuff like that. And then it was also um, things like, I remember we learned about Chernobyl and that mm -hmm. right there made me kind of realize, oh, nope, we could destroy the planet because we almost did. It was yeah. very close. Yeah. <laughs> like that was very close. You know, a few things had gone another way and and half the planet would have been a, a irradiated desert, you know. There was um, one for me, uh, just to highlight because I'm tracking the same thing for me. Um, it was the Bay of Pigs. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you know this story, but uh, Kennedy called mm -hmm. off the attack. But the pilot didn't get the the memo, if you will. He didn't get the telegram. And so it was literally as the pilot was taking off with the the warhead to bomb nuclear whatever, bomb uh, Cuba, that somebody stood in front of the plane, I think, is what happened and made it so it didn't take off. Okay. But it was just, it was literally within seconds uh -huh. that the guy would have taken off. And that would have ended the world as we know it, because that was yeah. the Cold War, right? right? So it would have been nukes Or there everywhere. was that story where, I think it was in Russia, and the guy got, like, the their, whatever they're called, who actually fire the nukes and some, you know, mm -hmm. and he got the thing saying that, you know, first strike is coming, launch reprisals, and he... 
he's not supposed to double check it. He's supposed to just, but he did. And it turns out it was like a mistake and not true. So if, <laughs> if that, if Yuri in Siberia or whatever his name yeah. was had not done that, then we might've all been yeah. cinders, you know? Um, so like it was that kind of stuff. And then it was also, believe it or not, this this is shames me to say this, but there was a time in my life when I, you know, Bill O'Reilly would be on in my house a lot. And I yep. used to, there was a time that I thought he was, you know, not the awful shit that he is. <laughs> but yeah. even he one night said, well, I don't know if it's if it's real or not. He said, but it seems to me that it's good to not to it's good to have clean air and water. So yeah. if we can do these things that do that, isn't that good? And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Broken clocks, I guess, you know. Yeah, right. Um, and it was that. And then the last thing for me was I went on a trip to Alaska with my brother. It was probably 10 years ago now. But we did this thing where we could uh fly like we took a tour and you flew over the glaciers, you know, and the, it was a pretty, it was very neat. It was really cool. Although I'm terrified of tiny planes and we'll never get in one that size again, but it was a really neat experience. But the the pilot wow. was showing us, he was saying like, so here's where the glacier starts. And he said, 20 years ago, it was three miles longer or whatever it was. And he said, I don't know what any of it, I don't know how it all works, but all I can tell you is it used to be a lot bigger and now it's not. And it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's, and then now these days, I mean, shit, it's, I don't, I mean, people still do it, but how you can live in the world right now. I mean, it was a hundred degrees in Siberia this year at one point. Yeah. You know, it's just like, clearly something's going on here, folks, you know? Um, Yeah. I think the final thing for me actually happened in seminary. So, you know, I was much older. I was in my twenties and we were talking about the creed. So the apostles creed has, um, God, the father first, God, the son, second, God, the spirit third. And, um, God, the father talks about creator of heaven and earth and so on and so forth. And as we were exploring the creed and we were talking about it, just standard pastor stuff, uh, the question was just, you know, what do we do about creation? What do we do about um, what God has given us? And pointing to the scripture, good, good old Lutheran word alone stuff, and God says two things to Adam and Eve, uh, be fruitful and multiply, and I'm paraphrasing this next one, take care of the garden that I've set up for you, mm-hmm. take care of the earth. And when uh, when sin happens, there's not a reversal of either one of those. In fact, there's just, hey, it's going to be harder to do. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be harder. It's going to suck to work the land and take care of things, and it's going to hurt to give give childbirth. Um, so as I was starting to piece all this together, other stuff in my life was happening. This was, you know, when you and I met and we had uh, postmodern stuff and so on and so forth. It allowed me to loosen those more and more, but I had already come to the conclusion that, um, you know, I was at least neutral. I was no longer in the Oh, global warming and global cooling climate change. It's all tomfoolery. No, it was more like, well, I think kind of what Bill O'Reilly said. What what's the harm of making sure that there's clean water and clean air for us to right. enjoy? And certainly for our 
our kids and our grandkids to enjoy. Right. Because even if you don't believe in climate change, and you should, but even if you don't, like you can see times when, say, oh, mining companies put poison in water that people have to live on, and then you see what happens, right? Yeah, like they get right. horrible cancer when they're four kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, so even if you don't Aaron believe Brockovich, in- Brockovich, right? Right, right. And it, and, yeah. and it's not like that was a, gosh, that's never happened before and will never right. happen again kind of thing, you know? Um, <laughs> like, there's no reason not to want that to happen uh, unless you are a corporate overlord who, right. is, you know, jerks off to dying poor people or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it was that. And then uh, it was also my, like we talked about last week, it was a, acceptance of the idea that scientists aren't like out to get me evil they're not evil they're not (laughs) like it was my realization that in terms of like the sorry faith versus science crowd that most scientists don't think about faith much at all in the way that we do i'm not saying none of them have faith i mean we were we were taught that it was like this you know diametrically opposed forces we were good and they were evil and they were out to get us and like i met scientists in college or professors or whoever and you could just tell that it hadn't even occurred to them that there were people who thought this like they had no <laughs> yeah. idea you know because they don't really right. think about uh, uh, christians in that way now they might but they didn't they didn't then yeah um so yeah. so um you know, there's more to the story and we'll probably unpack this as we spend the last few minutes here talking about what a church looks like. Um, but I, I do want to do that. I want to talk about if we're a church that looks at the frontier and the frontier here being defined loosely as recognizing the authority and the impact of science in our world and in our faith and our life. Um, what does it, what does it look like to be a church, to be a Christian, to be a congregation, all those kinds of things together as we deal with climate change? So I think there's a, there's a a few different things at play there. Um, partly I think, uh, for me, maybe a more found well, foundational is a dirty word around here, but a more basic way of looking at this is is the idea that in one sense, the science part of it doesn't or shouldn't matter as much to us. And what I mean by that is, for me, a lot of this fact is that I think we need to take better care of the earth because it's how we take care of other people, right? Um, it's also good for us. Don't get me wrong. I too would like to not have cancer if it's avoidable, you know? Um, but part of the reason, maybe the biggest part of the reason we need to do a much better job is because people are not just hurt, but dying. And that's just now, right? Like it's only going to get worse from here. Um, when we start having refuge, I mean, you think refugee crises are bad right now and might wait until, um, and maybe it's, I think some of this is already happening, but when large portions of the earth can't support the kind of food we need to live there anymore, well, mm-hmm. those people are all going to go somewhere, you know, um, not to mention like the, the frequency and intensity of hurricanes and wildfires and all this kind of stuff. So it's partly, yes, it takes care of us, but more than that, like it's the, in some ways you could argue it's the most basic way to take care of another person is by making sure they have a planet 
<laughs> to live on where they can grow food and hopefully not burn to death and have a home and clean water and clean air, you know? Um, like for me, I think it's, it's not that the science doesn't matter. It does. And I think we should believe in science. Well, period, but, and in things like this too, but mm -hmm. that aside, we also need to realize that this is a um, love your neighbor thing at its most distilled, most basic sense. Um, you know, you can't, it's not, it's not okay to say, yes, I love everyone while also thinking it's okay to, um, I don't know, like, uh, support Same. fossil Wild fuel players. companies who yeah. continually rape the planet, you know? Um, and I think that's an okay term given what we're talking about here, you know? So, um, anyway, so that's that for me, I think the biggest thing is that we need to do a better job because, and I would think like you could say, sure, we should do a better job because God told us to. And, you know, even the stuff about creation, um, how beautiful it is and it reflecting God's glory, all of that is true too. But more importantly to me, I think the most important thing is that we need to, to take care of the environment and the planet better because that's what, the most basic way to take care of other people. Yeah. I mean, that that's wonderful because I agree, not because, and I also, because agree. I, agree. <laughs> I also agree 100%. Um, much of our life falls into, and this is Luther's catechism, into either loving God or loving others. Um, it's Jesus's great commandment as well. Um, so, I mean, this makes perfect sense. My, I guess my question then is, how do we extrapolate that towards our specific situations? Right. And I think if I were to say, well, here, let me just be fully up front. I have not done a wonderful job at this. Uh, in fact, I haven't done a job at this very much. There are some choices that I've made. There are some things that we're considering now. Uh, my wife and I, like for instance, we're considering buying uh, at least a flex vehicle, if not a fully electric. I know that's not 100% like whatever. It's not the greatest, but uh, we recycle. In fact, we recycle so much that we had asked the recycling company if we could have two bins for recycling because we noticed that a lot of people had yeah. two bins for trash and we're like, let's just get a second bin for recycling because we're mm -hmm. doing it so much. Um, the answer was no, by the way. They wouldn't mm. let you do that. You have to start sneaking into sneaking it into your neighbor's yeah, know, recycling right? things at night. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we've also talked about investing in power or in solar panels and putting mm -hmm. that on our house. Um, we feel very inept at doing that. So that's probably the least likely of what we'll do. Um, but I think that if you're part of the church or part of a congregation, there's probably some things that you can do to exponentialize or whatever the word is, grow that impact. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to talk about some of those ideas. One that I've had is actually one that I've seen. There's this great guy in, in Louisiana, New Orleans, actually. And he fights, um, I want to say it's a canning canning shop, uh, a factory, a food mm -hmm. processing factory, where they dump stuff into the river. Uh -huh. um, it's not the Mississippi. It's just a little, of course, it leads into the Mississippi. But the major problem is, is that there are people downriver who are 
you know, they're African Americans, they're black, and even um, Hispanic Americans, probably from Cuba would be my guess, um, or Latin America altogether. And uh, it's hurting them because of the water supply. Imagine that, that have, right? Right. Yeah. And he's been fighting that for a decade, at least, I think. Um, and that seems to me like where I find inspiration. That seems to me. That is where I find inspiration. It seems to me like that's a place where, hey, maybe locally we could look for stuff like that mm -hmm. to fight how it's hurting other people. And then, of course, you have the science that links that to some of the global climate right. problems we have that are going on. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there it's got to be a combination of things because, like, on the one hand, it uh, there are things that all of us can do as individuals or as families, right? And I think the important thing there is that not everybody has to do everything because, you know, not everybody can afford solar panels are expensive, right? Not yeah, everybody can right. do that. Um, if you can, great. But, you know, it could also be if you're not recycling now, start recycling. It can be this kind of stuff, right? But by themselves, that's not enough either because, you know, I could never use like another plastic product in my life. And if that's if that was it, it wouldn't make much difference in the term yeah, of the global right. scheme of things. Like, don't get me wrong, use as little plastic as yeah. possible. But um, so I think it's it's stuff like that example you were talking about that churches might be able to be involved in somehow. Um, it could be some kind of obviously nonviolent protests or, um, you know, it, I know we don't like to get involved in politics, so there, you'd have to do this the right That's way, <laughs> but it, well, I'm just saying there's a right way to do that, yeah, which is right. not what we normally do, but it could <laughs> yeah. be, um, you don't, you don't have to give money to political candidates, but you could support, I mean, there's all kinds of organizations that are for conservation and for, mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, resettling for people who can't live where they used to live or um, who help natural disasters in the areas after. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff yeah. like that that can happen. And, and I think it's looking for those in wherever you're at while also doing as much as you can on an individual basis, because, I mean, if nothing else, it doesn't hurt, right? I, I think for me, it's hard sometimes because I think, okay, well, I'm not gonna buy this or I, I try not to use as many plastic bags or whatever. And then you realize like, um, you know, how much, either how much you still pollute without realizing it, right? Mm -hmm. Just like this week, I got three things from Amazon, even though I hate Amazon, but I still use it because that's how th the world works. That's and then, you know, you get like these giant cardboard boxes filled with plastic and there's like one tiny thing in there. Yeah. And then this happened yeah. three times and you're like, well, I'm sure I'm glad I didn't use a plastic bag, you know? Um, <laughs> or you hear about just like, take your pick some giant company does some horrible thing for the environment they might get fined and even if they do it doesn't they don't even notice and yeah so for me the the scope of the problem is very discouraging sometimes but like a lot of the other problems we've talked about like you you, you have to do what you can do and then look for things that you can do that you're not currently doing so like i know some churches like um um, don't use any paper products for like, if they have any meals, they use all like actual dishes that they wash and all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And, yeah. you know, at some point you have to, there are, it's a cost, like a, 
not a cost benefit, but like uh, how much energy are you using as Mm -hmm. sure. But I mean, there are things like that that you can do. Whereas like, okay, we don't need to buy 800 styrofoam cups that we throw in the trash kind of thing. (laughs) Right. You know, Um, or if we do buy stuff, it's all stuff that's degrade, biodegradable, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think in some respects, the problem is so large that it's discouraging, but it's also so large that it's not hard to find something that yeah, might Yeah, you can do anything. Quite <laughs> I mean, literally. if you, uh, you know, maybe you start a recycling program somehow in an area that like, like, uh, you know, in some areas they don't pick up recycles from your house, mm-hmm. right? And yep. some people who say they don't have a car or don't have reliable transportation, well, they're not driving to a recycling center to mm-hmm. recycle stuff because how could they right right but maybe there's a way that your church or your group can um you know collect it from them or they can bring it to you and you can take it or like there's in some respects it's like you can be creative here and anything you do is going to help and even <laughs> if you know your church uh, you know i think this is not a newsflash but your church will not solve the climate crisis but I do think today, you know, I, I grew up a lot hearing about us having a witness, you know, about showing God's love to the community and looking different. Mm-hmm. Well, this kind of thing is going to show that a lot better than, you know, any of the things they told us we should do. Yeah, <laughs> People will notice if your church starts up some kind of recycling program or mm-hmm. if you, um, you know, any of these other things we've been talking about. And have a lot more impact than whatever tent revival you want to hold or whatever, you know. (laughs) Most definitely. And I think it should be, even though we skipped over it or at least assumed it, uh, it should be said that if you're a pastor, you need to be preaching and teaching on this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I know it can be tricky because, uh, hell, I've been through this. People got mad at me because... I was doing social justice when all I was saying is, hey, let's stop the racism, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but Pastor, like, no, can't you just preach Jesus? Yeah, can't yes, you just preach Jesus? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and somebody got really mad really quick, and I'm like, whoa, wait a second. It's like, friendo, uh, this, this is, is the, the gospel. Jesus stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I don't know how to make it clearer than love God and love others, right? right. Um, but so all I'm saying with that is, you know, we we know the landmines, those of us who are in these kind of church bodies, these traditions, either even congregations, doesn't mean you can't do it. That's the um, thing. I think part of what we're talking about is for things that matter like this, you, you, we have to not let landmines stop us from doing or saying or yeah. leading in the way that needs to be done. Like, you know what? Someone might get mad at you and they might leave your church, but if they leave your church over that, well... You know, then you probably yeah. still need to do it. If that's right. the only reason they leave, then you might be better off without them anyway. Um, you well, know. and speaking from a Lutheran perspective, we have lots of material about this. Luther, it's it's unknown if he actually said this, but there's a quote. He said, if the world was ending tomorrow, I'd plant a tree, right? It, it talks about the care. I mean, he talks about there the care of creation and what that really means. Um, the reason why apocryphal quotes like that work is because it sounds so much like something he'd say, even if he didn't say it. Mm. Um, we have a tradition of taking care of the earth. We have a tradition of 
um, you know, taking care of, and we even tie in stuff that I would put more towards community stuff, like building a community garden Mm -hmm. or, um, all sorts of stuff around that, which is more about feeding people and bringing people to the joy of nature. We talk about the joy of nature all the time right. uh, as Lutherans, and I'm sure as evangelicals and Pentecostals do the same thing. Well, I mean, we've uh, talked about that more than once in the last few weeks about how that could be part of worship or whatever. And it's yeah, like, uh-huh. well, yes, I mean, this is this kind of stuff is not a hard tie-in to that kind of thing. And it, yeah. it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, have to like I feel like growing up the perspective we always had of something like that is oh so we're gonna dance naked among the trees and you know <laughs> have some kind Think of ritual and it's the, like yep. well no but like you know conservation is a way that you show love to God right and to other people and so like I mean it's yeah. not a you wouldn't even have to reach real far to 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 explain that to people yeah At least I don't think so I don't think so either. I mean, um, recycling used to be a hard sell for some folks, but now it's not that hard of a sell at all. I mean, the convenience, as you were mentioning, can be right. hard sometimes for folks. Uh, I have a bin, as we talked about. You do too. Mm-hmm. Other people don't. But there's ways that we can get around. Even if you recycle one thing when you wouldn't have, uh, that's still a good step. Mm-hmm. And um, most people are kind of on board uh, I think, and this is something that I would agree 100% with, some people struggle with the language that we use mm-hmm. when we're talking about this. And I would just say, um, you know, I think it's important to broach the climate change conversation. I think that's really important. But uh, to put specificity of what Ryan said, I don't think you need to in order to make this happen, especially in conservative churches. Like if you are in a church or an area where you can, like, then I think you should. Right. But if you can't, well, then don't tell them about climate change. Just start teaching them. And whether you do that in a sermon or other ways, um, like why we need to take care of the planet and how it's not just taking care of the planet as the planet, but it's taking care of people. You know, like if people get upset with you about that, well, then they were going to be upset with if you're doing your job right. They were going to be upset with you about something anyway. (laughs) Right. Well, we have to just as a side note, maybe this is something we talk about in the near future, but um, expanding your preaching and teaching beyond the individual salvation narrative Mm -hmm is always going to be hard because that is the heritage that we've inherited as American Christians. It doesn't matter what church body you're a part of. Well, unless you come from some of the much more liberal, like, yeah, right. Because they've been about social justice for a long time, but even there, they still come up against that from just American culture and, you know, all of that. So, so you'll always have to fight that battle if you start to expand your preaching, but, So what I want to be careful about in this conversation, another conversation unpacking that would be great. But in this conversation, I want to recognize that it'll be difficult no matter what, because people are expecting a certain narrative being told to them from the pulpit around their individual sin and individual salvation. And when they don't hear that, especially for a while, people start to feel really uncomfortable. And I've been there. I don't preach that way at all. It's not how I preach at all. And there was a 
there was a breaking point. Some people were like, that's enough. You, you got to go back to that. It's all great that you're doing this. And so just be ready for that. And maybe that's not how you take it. Maybe you intersperse it, especially if you're yeah. somebody who's still working on individual salvation and you might not be in the same place as Ryan or I. I mean, you can, you can tell people about individual salvation and also that they need to love. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, but it is to say that you'll, you'll hit some roadblocks when you start doing this because that's not what you're supposed to preach pastor. But see, like to me, I wasn't a pastor in a church for very long, but my thought was that, you know, pastoral ministry in terms of challenging people that these are the kinds of things that roadblocks shouldn't be avoided just to go with the flow. Right. right? I'm not talking about, I've had in my life, some pastors who were just assholes and just wanted to make people (laughs) angry um, because, you know, that's not what we're, that's not what either of us are saying here, but I am saying of like, the planet that we live on is literally dying and maybe a burning ball of fire in the not too, too distant future, at least in the scale of the planet, you know, how, yeah. how, and so, you know what, it's, if, if, if it uh, takes you getting some people upset about that to, to help that, then that's, that's, is it like, that's the kind of um, things that spiritual leaders should be okay with ca- quote, causing trouble about, yeah. especially mm-hmm. if that's not like, you're not, you're not doing it so that you can be like, ha ha, I'm going to piss these people off. And it's <laughs> yeah. not a power play. It's just, um, it's the, I think that's the kind of truth to power thing, right? Like that's where, you know, for all these people who love standing up for the capital T truth, it's like, okay, well, you know, here's something where if you get upset about this, then I can't help you. Right. Like the problem is with you and maybe what you're feeling is conviction from God and not for me kind of thing. Um, so it's different everywhere. being challenged to let go of some political thoughts rather than, you know, and that probably is going to suck in some ways. It's not fun. It's not fun, (laughs) but it's also like, um, I mean, I think that's, it's, it, it reminds me of how Jesus treated Pharisees, not saying that everyone who thinks this, who, who objects or whatever is necessarily a Pharisee, but like he would, Jesus would get after them a lot about, um, you know, this thing is bad and it needs to change. And Jesus didn't seem too concerned about whether they were going to be upset about him telling right. them or not, yeah. because every case he wasn't doing that to like make himself look good or, you know, he wasn't doing it to uh, just to piss people off. He was doing it because it was people were being hurt by it or mm-hmm. because even though they thought they were glorifying God, they were actually glorifying themselves, which, mm-hmm. you know, is also not good. So, um yeah, I mean, if we want to have Christ-like ministry, we may have to actually be like Christ. <laughs> it's a crazy <laughs> thought, I know. And it's also like, that doesn't mean you're, it's always going to work perfectly. And that's not, that's not what it means either. But it's just, I think it's understandable to not want to rock the boat. And I think sometimes you don't want to rock the boat just to rock the boat. But if the boat gets rocked because otherwise we're all going to drown or burn up in, you know, a hurricane or something, then mm-hmm. get to rocking the boat, I guess. <laughs> well, and part of the reason I say it is, yes, all that's true. I would also add, let's say instead of but, that was my way of trying to add. I would add also that if you were forced as a pastor to engage this thought, 
with the text, then um, you'll start to see things that you didn't see before. Mm -hmm. And you'll start to learn things that you didn't think you'd learn. Uh, I'm nowhere near an expert in this, but being able to see, like I said at the beginning, the curses that God gives out are not curses against the planet. It's curses against the labor. It takes labor in both senses of the word, labor on the land and labor in childbirth. Um, And so, you know, explore it, use it as an opportunity to do that. Uh, One of my great friends has said, um, the church is always an experiment. Hmm. And if you think of the church that way, which is so different than some of the ways we think about the church, but if you think about the church that way, then, hey, experiment for one Sunday Pastors know no one's going to remember your sermon anyway. So just, you know, spend some time in the text and talk about that. They'll remember what you said, but not your sermon particularly. So it's encouragement to to give it a try. If you want to be more radical, um, which I'm always a fan of, um, you know, push into maybe a nature Sunday like we've Mm -hmm. talked about before. Uh, the liturgical year for Lutherans, there are some Sundays where that's really appropriate. Um, you could do that and, you know, not Holy Trinity Sunday necessarily, but maybe some of the other uh, events of the year, the festivals of the year. Yeah. Uh, you could really do that. Well, and, you know, you also don't have to connect all of the dots for everybody. I mean, it, it could be for some people, all you have to do is help them. Like they may not have thought of the fact that um, how we treat the planet is more than just a political issue because, you know, you help them see how it affects real people's lives and we need to love people by taking care of the planet they live on. And they'll come up with all kinds of ways on their own to do that. And you don't have to give them a list, right? Or it doesn't have to just be in sermons. It it might be something like, um, cleaning up somewhere in a neighborhood, you know, um, it might be working with some organization like we talked about and just telling them we're going to do this as a church and go from there. You know, it could be a very, it really depends. There's a lot of ways to do this, but sometimes you can just give people ideas and then they run with it in places you never thought of anyway. Um, And then sometimes you really got to spell it out for people, (laughs) you know, and either one is okay because everybody's different. And uh, I really think part of a job for pastors or whether even if you're not a pastor, like part of the job for Christians is like, just give me something to do that I haven't thought of before. And it might just be helping people see a thought they hadn't realized. And then, like I said, they'll go all kinds of ways that you might never have even thought of. It's kind of like partnering with people rather than saying, here is the gospel. I mean, the sermon according to me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I don't know. I'm just saying there's a lot of room for creativity here. And in some contexts, you might want to just shout it from the rooftops. And in some, you might have to be a little more sneaky about it. But that's okay, because the end result is what we're going for. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious uh, of anyone who might be listening, what some ideas that you think about for um, inculcating or incorporating this kind of approach. Um, I dare say that Lutherans don't have established practices for what this is. There's no creation festival or feast of the church, uh, but that doesn't stop many Lutherans from doing this kind of stuff. In fact, a lot of 
Lutherans will, uh, in my experience, they've had uh, specific Sundays of the year set out for uh, time with God in nature. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that can't turn into, for those of you who do this, a series where it turns into not only time with God, but time for others by protecting creation could turn it into a series, or you can transform that one year and see that God is speaking to us to take care of the creation at the same time and what mm -hmm. that what that means. I think there's lots of ways to do that. So I'm curious if anybody has approached that. Um, I'm also very curious if anybody is really into climate change and uh, what kind of uh, nonprofits, what kind of organizations mm -hmm. that are good to support for that. Uh, that you have found helpful when it comes to Christians who might be a little more politically wary of their donations. Um, yeah. That'd be a curiosity for me too. Well, and you know, the other thought I had is we've been talking a lot about like pastors here, but you know, if you're not a pastor, one of the things you can do is get your pastor on board. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, harass him or her if you have to, you know, <laughs> um, maybe you don't have to, but I just, uh, or maybe you don't even go to the pastor and maybe it's finding other people in your yeah. church or group that you can do things together with, you know, or, Hey, I'm part of this organization, you know, you could join me in it or we're going to, you know, that like there's, like we said earlier, anything you can do will help. And um, so it helps the world. It helps us. And honestly, like it also, I think glorifies God. And I think that's what, whatever kind of church you have, or whether you don't go to church, if you have faith in, in, you know, in, uh, in Christ or probably a lot of other non-Christian faiths too, like, um, this is all only good stuff. And so, I mean, let's do it and not, I hope this, I don't think it does, but I hope none of this comes across as like, how dare you, if you've not been doing this, because, like we've said before, neither of us have been doing it perfectly either, you know, um, like, uh, so great. So start doing better. That's all, you know, yeah. and when you realize, um, that you did something that doesn't help, well, then don't do that again. Like, I mean, there's, there's plenty of, <laughs> right. there's plenty of ways in your life that you can find shame and this doesn't need to be one of them <laughs> yeah. because it turns out shame doesn't help <laughs> quite the opposite. So just uh, yeah. look for ways to do better. That's all. So wherever you're at with this kind of stuff, I hope that as we've been trying to do in these last few episodes over the last few weeks or month or whatever it is, is hopefully they can be um, kind of a starter for you. You know, like if you, uh, Daniel's been making a lot of bread and one of the things you do to get your sourdough, sourdough starter is that you start with some flour and then you feed it every day, right? And then it gets to the point where you can then use that to make loaves of bread out of. So maybe that this is a bit of a weird metaphor because you're, you know, fermenting things, but <laughs> maybe it can function like that for you. If you don't have to do any of the things we said specifically, but hopefully it can, it can turn into some other kind of bread that works for you. And I hope that um, it's kind of the message that we, we come back to in everything we look at, I think, is that the way we've been doing things for whatever reason doesn't work um, or it doesn't work well enough. And so it's time to try something different. And I think that's the part of the frontier process that we're on, too, is we're trying 
um, new things, new processes, new thoughts, new beliefs, maybe whatever they are. And we're, we're working together to see where that brings us. And then from there, maybe you, you readjust from there too. I don't know. But the point is we're trying, we're doing something different and we're not being stuck in the mud (laughs) that we have been for a very, very long time. So like Nate said, we'd love to hear about how you've confronted this issue or things you've done or funny stories even. Like I had one where I went to meet someone and then um, turns out she was super, it was actually my former pastor and I was meeting her for the first time and we went to get coffee somewhere and and I knew she was super into this, but like to the point of like her husband was telling me one time about how they have no plastic in their house and he, he said it like the sense of like, his act of marital sacrifice has been dealing with no plastic in the house because of how hard that is to do, you know? And so I get there and and I get a drink or whatever. And he's like, do you want a straw? And I'm like, sure. And then we sit down and she pulls out a metal one that she brought with her, which wasn't a big deal, but you know, I'm just saying like these things come up in times and you just don't think about it until you're like, well, I could have done that better. You know, she didn't care, but I did. But anyway, um, just let us know where you're at with this. Uh, let us know um, or where you've struggled with it or where it's, you know, ways you've found success. And lastly, I hope it's encouraging to you that um, even though the problem is grave and even though the problem is um, super big, I mean, it's real big, it's bad, but we can try to make it better. And that's all we can do. So I hope it's encouraging that, uh, We can do that together in whatever way that we can. And like always, I guess we have to trust that somehow it'll be okay because God will make it okay. You know, that's the only thing I can think of with this is that God really will take care of us. And part of God taking care of us, I guess, is us helping take care of the planet that we live on. Imagine that. So it'll be okay, I think. Let's, uh, (laughs) no, I think it will. Let's, uh, Let's work to make it better, though. And we can do that. 